0: You are listening to hands at work audio. George Snaman spoke from the hub in South Africa for the Word and Worship gathering in April 2016. He spoke of God's faithfulness and his suffering for all. I was just wondering how it felt the first week after Jesus rose from the dead. And they realized he actually stood up from the dead. Can you imagine when we sing, uh, um, you have risen from the dead. Like, it it touched us and it happened 2000 years ago. Imagine two days after he rose from the dead. Imagine when they sang it for the first time. Just, (laughs) how could we not have seen it? How could we not have understood? Can you just imagine? the depth of the worship that that first church went through when they realized he rose from the dead. But the question is what now? The question is what now? You know, as I, as I think back, and, and, and just take a step back, and I think um, of what actually what we saw on the cross, for example, just to to kind of set the stage a little bit for us to understand, as we look back, and and you can read a lot about that in Luke. I love Luke. Luke is really brilliant about this. But in Luke 23, you can read a lot about the the crucifixion. But, But the one thing that we saw there, the first thing we saw is the innocent died and the criminal got away. And we know the people it, And that's you and me. We've got to understand that's in our hearts. We shout, Parabas, Parabas. We do. If you haven't discovered it yet, go and dig deeper. A huge part of your spiritual growth is you understanding and getting to a place where you see the depth of the darkness of your soul. But the innocent died And a criminal walked away. And then the next scene we see is that on both sides of Jesus was hanging criminals, two criminals. And one cried out to him and said, have mercy on me today. And we see the first incredible promise. Today, today, you will be in paradise with me. But we also see the harsh reality, which we so want to sidestep and walk away from in a church today, we see the harsh reality of people not using the opportunity to embrace Christ and eternal condemnation. Friends, hell is real, hell is with us, hell is there. And we see even on the cross already, one embraced and say, I deserve it. Look at this man, he's innocent. Have mercy on me, Lord. And God said, he didn't have to, be, he didn't have to say the ABC prayer. Did you notice that? No. He just said, today you'll be with me in paradise. But there was the same consequence for the man who did not reject And so for the first time, we rejoice, but we are gripped in our hearts with the reality of bad choices. But maybe for us in hands, Maybe one of the most amazing things is, uh, and, and Luke used a picture of the Old Testament. We're going to talk a little bit about pictures this morning. But Luke, already on a cross, used a picture of the Old Testament when he speaks about Jesus dying on a cross. And he say, here is a picture of an innocent sufferer. Innocent sufferer. Relying on God. Crying out. Lord, if I don't have to, please... Later on he said, why why have you forsaken me? Innocent, crying out, and seemingly the door shuts. No answer. Isn't that incredible? Injustice. Victory. Standing up in the darkest hour, we see that Jesus was the victim of injustice and seemingly no answer. And that was the beginning of one of the most incredible stories. If you want to understand justice, you've got to understand injustice. If we are champions of justice, if we are standing for justice, we need to understand what it means. We need to understand the one who who championed justice, the one who said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. I am the father of the fatherless. I am the husband to the widow. I am, my throne is established on righteousness and justice. For us to understand that, we've got to understand that he suffered injustice deeply. But as that seed fell and disappeared... And it seems that there was no hope. <laughs> we know the most beautiful story that came out of that. Acts 1, verse 1 to 5. And it just grasps. Uh, Brenda, you want to read it to us quickly? In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Thanks, Brenda. This is, this is a wonderful part. This is the, the birth, the beginning of the church. This happened. This is incredible. Who wrote the book of Acts? Who can tell me? Luke. You know, people always say Paul wrote by far the most in the New Testament. He did write two-thirds of the book. But the author who wrote the most was Luke, not Paul. Okay, so Luke wrote this, and he, he gave a careful account of what happened. I want to make a short footnote here, because it's very important. Because some people, hands we are always questioned, and I love that. Because we allow people to question us, but it also, if you are really honestly seeking God's kingdom, you will always be questioned from every side. So on the one hand, people question us that we celebrate, for example, um, things like Lent, Holy Holy Week, and things like that. And people say, ah, why do you do that? Um, All traditional churches do that. I do it because I'm proud of doing it. And I find deep spiritual significance in that. I'm not doing it because it's an old tradition. I'm doing it because... You cannot go through the stations of an open soul and spirit and not find Christ in its depth if you seek him. But at the same hand, when we go forward towards Pentecost, other people seem to, that might do Holy Week just seem to fade away because that becomes too radical for them many things happen in Acts where people say well that used to happen those days but not the Holy Week that is okay but not the power and the uncontrollable wild Holy Spirit do you understand what I'm saying so some churches embrace that some churches embrace that we respect them for that and we embrace both because we say we seek Christ and if we're uncomfortable with that then we say why are we uncomfortable with that Let's dig it out. Let's become mature. In hands, we want to become mature because our ministry can only ever grow to the level of our maturity. You understand that? Many ministries, many ministers collapse like a a house of cards and it's beautiful people. I know them, beautiful ministries, but their work outgrow their maturity and that's the end. And friends, we are not immune to that. We are not mature by a long shot. But we want to hand something over to the next generation. We believe that this is not something when we're all old, it can stop. I mean, some of us are already old. (laughs) But we believe that this is something. And so we want to continue. We want to grow in this. Do you understand? So I want you to challenge yourself and to push yourself beyond what you, maybe your own background and really see God in all of us. But we read here that the, the, the apostles had convincing proof. They said it's very important for you to be convinced of the resurrection. You know, it's one of the huge questions today, theologically. The virgin birth and the resurrection. People nullified it. Huge part of the church. Do not believe in a virgin birth and a resurrection. Friends... Again, I want to respect somebody if I don't believe it, but then they cannot proclaim that they follow. How can you follow somebody that's dead? You cannot say I'm a follower of Christ, but I don't believe in the resurrection. It's, it's a contradiction in terms. So you've got to understand yourself as an individual. If you do not deeply understand the resurrection, you've got to ask God to show you, take you on the road to Emmaus. Let him speak to you the way he spoke to Peter. Let him talk to you. And I think I'm challenging your hands and myself in that, in this specific time. From the resurrection to Pentecost. And that's what I want to talk to you about. It is this period, this there was a 40-day period where Jesus stayed on earth. And he, and he, um, he appeared constantly. He, it seems like he didn't stay with his disciples, but he was constantly appearing to them. And he was speaking to them about the kingdom of God. That excites me deeply. Because, you know, when you talk about the kingdom of God, about his reign, in hands, we believe we've got a little bit of a picture of that. You see, when you talk about the kingdom of God, and you're going to ask anybody outside, what's the kingdom of God? It's hard to define for people. But we understand this about the kingdom of God. And there will be no more tears. And the babies will not die young anymore. And men will not build houses that they not live in. And they will eat the fruit that they plant. We understand that there's a kingdom coming where there will be no more domestic violence and child abuse and rape and war and corruption and politicians and and religious leaders. Nothing like that. Shalom, that picture of shalom will be completed. You know, I become overwhelmed when I think about that. I think, is it possible? Is it possible that praise that I met in Zimbabwe when I was in the villages this last few weeks, whose father is a mental case and constantly come and chase him and his mother and his sisters out of the house. They run into the fields. He burnt the house down. There's violence. Praise his hunger. There's this crippling drought. I look at his mother and I think, how in God's name does he get up in the morning? How? What makes her get up? I would not have got up. And I want to tell you, there's a kingdom coming. And there's a few, there's a short time span for us, for you and me, to choose that kingdom in a midst of chaos and darkness. And we choose that kingdom now. And we say, we are going to show that kingdom in our community. I'm going to show that kingdom to Jan and Jen's family. And I'm going to show it to... The, the people visiting, and I'm going to show it to praise in Zimbabwe, I am going to do my best to prophesy, to live out, to display the kingdom that's coming so people can have hope. With that, a huge part, of course, strongly, is to lead people into the presence of Christ. Remember, the harsh realities never lose this understanding when we talk justice. The one inside and across accepted it, the one did not. He's condemned, friends. He's condemned for eternity. So even when we talk about the kingdom of God and a picture, a huge part of our hearts, a huge part of everything, is, is to reach out and to say, do you know that there was a way made for you? You were washed. You were cleansed. If you say yes, if you come into this kingdom, you, Will be safe for eternity. So it's not just about dealing with today, it's the eternal kingdom. But at the same time, it's not just about the eternal kingdom. It's both. You cannot, you it's impossible to pray as Jesus taught us to pray. We said, our Father. And then to say, well, God's not so much concerned about praise, dying of hunger and at the moment. I mean, does he know Jesus? What kind of father can that be? Surely that cannot be. Then we would never have been taught to pray our father. He cares about praise as much today for surviving and living and being safe as he cares about praise's eternal life we embrace both. We embrace both. So we embrace also the depths of the Holy Week. When we look at the, the, the death and the Christ rising, it's, it's a way to the King. It's opening the door for salvation. But it's also the hope for people that do not have hope today. The fact that Jesus was the sacrifice of injustice and He rose up, that is a hope for us who suffer today physically. And I think it's very important. So when you talk about the 40 days, just quickly, when, when Jesus was there for 40 days, that's a significant number and I'll tell you why I'm going to tell you about that. Let me just give you the bigger picture quickly. Pentecost means 50, right? And we're going to go, right, we're going to go there right now for you to understand why. But everything that happened of Jesus was in detailed described in symbols in the Old Testament. In order. I'm gonna show it to you now. But the 40 days, it's a very significant number. Remember, Israel was how many? 40 years in a desert. Jesus was tempted for 40 days. Moses was Mount Sinai for 40 days. Elijah, Mount Horeb for 40 days. So we know that 40 is that number of testing, that number of waiting. It's that number in the Bible that we we wait, we wait. So what happened? If you look at 50 to get to Pentecost, Jesus died after three days he rose. Then 40 days he was with the disciples and then there was the week after that, where they wait upon the Holy Spirit. So it's 50 days. Now, if you look at Leviticus 23 and you look at the feasts, I going to quickly talk to you about it because we don't have time. But if you look at the feasts, you see, first of all, you have the Passover. That's the first feast that Israel celebrated. And with that, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the Passover is when Jesus was crucified people say as jesus was nailed to the cross you could hear the lamb that was slain by the high priest for the passover sacrifice coincidence i'm telling you these things because i want to stir up your faith to understand that this is a god that planned it in detail the feast of the unleavened bread is jesus without sin unleavened bread has got no yeast in it right it's clean Jesus, the sacrifice that was clean, sacrificed exactly on Passover. So we see all of that that happened in Leviticus um, 23. was The third feast in verse 10 Speak about the wave sheaf. That's the first fruits of the harvest. That came on a Sabbath when Jesus stood up out of the dead. As Jesus rose, he became the first fruit out of the dead. We know in James 1.18 it speaks about that, right? So as Jesus rose, he was the first fruit. And, and, And we can read Paul say, Death, where is your sting? You can do me no more harm. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Why can Paul say that? Because the first fruit rose from the grave. But then the fourth feast was what they called the Feast of the Weeks. And that's four weeks. And that went to 50. And that is the feast where they took the first harvest and they offered it to God. And that feast was exactly when the Holy Spirit fell on us. On our church the first time. And Peter stood up and he spoke. He spoke to people. And 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. Exactly at that feast. The feast of the harvest. Came in for the first time. But there are two loaves in a feast of the harvest. And so the second loaf was that promise that I'm not just saving the Jews. Acts we read that the second when the Gentiles were invited into the kingdom of God. And that's you and me, and where it was opening up. And so the feast was fulfilled exactly on the day from Passover, unleavened bread. It happened exactly. Perfectly, This is your God. This is the one that you serve. His plan is perfect. His plan for you is exact, perfect. He knows where you are. It doesn't matter what you do. You cannot frustrate Him. Nobody can frustrate His plans. Isn't that incredible? And then we see how the, how the Holy Spirit came and he fell in the people, and it was chaos. Are you allowing space for chaos in your spiritual life? You know, let me explain to you how chaos it was. People were convinced they were stoned or drunk. When the Holy Spirit comes in your life, friend, he will shake you upside down. He will rattle your cage. He will throw things out that you want to hold on to. The Holy Spirit will take your security blanket. I promise you, He will. Because it's not good for you. You've got to be weaned off that. When He came like a mighty wind, when you allow Him to come, He will shake every religious thing out of you. And that's why those of us who are religious, you can go and see that. Your own life, your church, people around you, religious people will always downplay the Holy Spirit. Always. Because He's out of control. I'm not saying he's loud and and unruly. I'm not saying that. That's flesh. That's human beings. Many of the so-called manifestations happening today, I don't agree with that at all. The Holy Spirit is not out of order. He will do nothing that's out of God's order. But he will rattle your cage. And he will rattle my cage. Are we prepared to do that? Are we prepared to allow him to do that in our lives? I'm asking you that. But Jesus... As he left and he prepared for the Holy Spirit to come, he said this most beautiful words that we enhance love. He said, I will not leave you behind as orphans. You know, he understands orphans, right? He understands what it means to be an orphan. He said, I will not leave you behind as orphans. I will not. There's so much to be spoken about, just that verse. The heart of the Father. The heart that say, I will not leave you without a father, a mother. I will fight for you. I'm going to ask my Father to send you, the counselor. The name of the Holy Spirit, they call it Parakletos, But you know what really in our language, you know what the Holy Spirit, what Jesus called the Holy Spirit? The one who heard your cry. I mean, how's that? The one who can hear your cry. I am the one who hears your cry. Above all the big guys, big noise, I hear your cry. I can hear you. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you someone that will hear your cry. He will comfort you. You are called, he's called the comforter. But you have to wait. You've got to wait. Now, Jesus himself had to learn how to wait. Jesus had to wait until he was 30 years old. He had to learn to wait, wait, wait. Friends, if you today are crying out for the Holy Spirit, and which I'm asking you with me, let's go to Pentecost, waiting, crying out. We've now seen what Christ did for us. Now we say, Lord, don't leave us as orphans. We are crying for more of the Holy Spirit, more. Paul speaks and he says, you must be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You are leaking, I'm leaking. Every day we cry. But symbolically, right now, we cry, Holy Spirit, as in Pentecost, fall upon us. Fall upon us. We ask you to come. You are the one who can hear our cries. And so as Jesus had to learn to wait, we have to wait. We are not above Jesus. So this morning as we, we just took a, a very brief journey from where it seemed to have been the darkest down earth. Do you know that the first one whoever confessed Jesus as, a, as Christ, as God, when He was crucified, was a Roman soldier. <laughs> the Roman soldier who stood there, looked up and he said, he, he was truly the Son of God. All the religious people, all the nobody, and there stood a man, not from the right Race, not from the right culture, not from the right religious background. And he just look at what he see, face value. And he say, this is a Son of God. Do you believe it's the Son of God? That curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. What does it mean? It's like a father said, the door is open. Come, whoever thirsts, whoever thirsts, Come and eat and drink freely, Isaiah 55. Come, come, whoever is weary, come. That's the good news. That's what you are part of. Are you convinced? Or are you like Thomas who's got to see the holes? It's okay, Thomas wasn't a bad guy, he was just honest. If you've got to see the holes, dig it out of God. Don't bluff us, make us if you believe, but you don't. Do you really, really know? Can you close your eyes and say, when I sing He's risen, there was a time that He burst out of that grave. And He's preparing a place. A kingdom is coming. No more pain. No more suffering. But right now, right now, you and I, if we deeply believe it, we can display that incredible promise that's about to come to people that have got no hope. And that's why Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, not converts, disciples. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is somebody for like father, like son. Now you've seen me, I've showed you the kingdom of God. I showed you how much compassion I have. I showed you how I cared. I showed you how I loved. I showed you how I laid my life down. I showed you that I was a big man but I became small. Now that you know that, go and teach other people to be the same. Thank you for joining us. Double